Thank you for joining us today. At ResLife, our mission is to develop committed followers of Jesus Christ to reach the world. Our content is created to equip and empower you in God's purpose. We hope you enjoy this message. All right, everybody doing good? Yes. Well, I am uh, very excited. Next week is Mother's Day. And you're going to be up here preaching with me, honey. Yeah. You know, my, my kids program my phone and put everything in my phone. How many of your kids, that's what they do for you. So on my phone, she's hot mama genie. And uh, sometime I, I don't laugh. It's true. So, so I said to my phone, I, I told it to call her uh, hot mama genie, but somehow it just called a hot mama. Um, it, was just, it was kind of a strange call, I'm telling you. <laughs> But uh, so next week, you and I are going to share together. Today, I want to talk to you about the spirit of faith. 2 Corinthians 4.13 says, since we have the same, identical, we could say carbon copy, spirit of faith. Now, you can learn all the principles, one, two, three, four, five. But the principles don't work without the spirit. And the principles are taught, but the spirit is more caught than taught. That's why King Saul never produced any great warriors. Because when the giant showed up, he was afraid and went and hid. But when a young boy named David showed up, David killed the giant. But not only did David kill the giant, there's four other giants that show up. And every one of those giants were killed by one of David's men because the same spirit that was on David got on the people that were around him. So we have, the Bible says, the same, the identical, the carbon copy, spirit of faith. According to what's written, I believed, therefore I spoke. David said, I believed, therefore I spoke. It says, we also believe, therefore we speak. So we have the same, the identical, the carbon copy spirit of faith. What that means is this. It didn't work one way for David, another way for Samson, and a different way for Daniel, and a different way for Peter, and a different way for Paul, and a different way for you, and a different way for me. It's going to work the same way. I believed, therefore I spoke. We also believe, therefore we speak. So there's two parts to the spirit of faith. There is a believing part, but there is also a speaking part. And if you just have the believing part, it's not going to work. And if you just have the speaking part, it's not going to work. You need both parts. Now in 2 Peter chapter 3, it says, I will stir up your pure minds by way of reminder. So this morning, uh, I may not say much that you have not heard before. And my purpose is not to bring something new. My purpose today is to stir you up by reminding you about the spirit of faith. In fact, it's interesting that Paul said to Timothy, he said, stir up the gift of God that's in you. And sometimes we need to get stirred up. So my intent today 
is not to bring some great new revelation. I just want to remind you of some things. In Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21, it says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And they that love it will eat its fruit or will reap its benefits. Now notice that both death and life are where? In the power of the, the tongue. And then Joshua 1.8, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. In other words, you and I are supposed to say what God says about us, about what God says about our situation. We're supposed to be speaking in agreement with what God says. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate therein day and night. Now, the second part is equally important to the first part because you'll never do the first part unless you do the second part, right? It says meditate therein day and night. In other words, you, you spend time thinking about musing, literally speaking what God says. It's meditating on the word. And that's how it gets in your heart because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So it's not a matter of you're just saying something, right? A parrot can do that. It's got to be in your heart. We believe in our heart. Therefore, we speak. Romans 10 in verse 8. But what does faith say? The word is near you. It's in your mouth and in your heart, even the word of faith which we preach. You know, sometimes we think the answer is a long ways away. We think the answer is in Africa. We think the answer is in Fenton, Missouri. We think the answer is someplace else, somebody else. But the Bible says the answer, it's near you, it's in your mouth, and it's in your heart. So we have to connect what's in our heart with our mouth. They've got to be speaking the same thing. So to begin with, I want to quickly jump over to the first book in the Bible, the book of Genesis, which really has about 2,000 years of human history in it, literally from creation to Abraham. Chapter 1 and verse 2. Chapter 1, God creates the heavens and the earth. Verse 2. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. Other translations say gross darkness. Others say it's catastrophic. And the Spirit of God is hovering over the waters. Then God said. So we get to the third verse in the Bible, and already it's, it's about speaking. And then God said. Now remember, the Bible says that there, it's void. It's dark, gross darkness, catastrophic. God looks at it and he does not say, wow, that sure is dark. That's like the darkest place I've ever seen. God did not say what he saw. God said what he wanted. And he said, let there be light and there was light. And then five more times in the chapter, God said, and then he saw. 
And he said, and then he saw. And he said, and then he saw. In verse 26, the first thing God said when he made man was we're going to make him in our likeness, according to our image, and let him have dominion. Let him have dominion. So you weren't made to be a doormat. You were made to have dominion. Now, how is that dominion released? How is it brought forth into this world? Look in the second chapter. God brings all the animals to the man and he brought them to the man to see what he would name them. Listen. And whatever man called each living creature, that was its name. The man named the cattle, named the birds of the air, named the wild animals. Now, we just think name like dog, cat, cow. But in the Hebrew, it means character or reputation. In other words, Adam spoke and what he said about that creature was the character of that creature. He wasn't just putting a title on them. He was speaking and what he spoke about the creature is the character that the creature came to possess. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. Then, of course, in Genesis uh, chapter 2 and verse 9, it says that God created the man. Excuse me, verse 7. And he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. Uh, the New King James says he became a living soul. Others say a living being. Others say a speaking spirit. Man became a living soul, a speaking spirit. Now, the same way that God used his voice to speak and use dominion, man is to speak and use his voice to have dominion. In Romans 10, in verse, well, let's just jump over to Mark 11 and see if we get very far past that, all right? Mark 11, Jesus is staying at the, in Bethany at the house of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Uh, it's about three miles outside of Jerusalem. So he would leave their house and go up the Mount of Olives and come down the Kidron Valley and then right into the temple where he was going to preach. But apparently Mary and Martha slept in that morning because Jesus didn't have breakfast. So on his way, he sees a fig tree and it's got leaves on it. So he says, they're going to be figs. And he goes to the tree and the Bible says he finds no figs on the tree. And the Bible says that he cursed the fig tree and said, no one ever eat fruit from you again forever. Now, Jesus cursed the fig tree. Jesus did not say, you blankety blank, blank, blank tree. That's not what he did, but he cursed the tree. And he said, no one ever eat fruit of you again forever. He spoke negative death bringing words to that tree. And if we're going to see the tree dies. Now, you can curse your health. You can curse your children. You can curse your finances. You can curse your job. And it's not a matter of saying four-letter words. But when you begin to speak death and you begin to speak negatively about situations, death and life 
are in the power of your tongue. That's why Joshua 1 verse 8 says, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. You and I need to say what God says about us, what God says about our situation. You see, you are who God says you are. You can do what God says you can do, and you have what God says you have. But for that to materialize in your life, you need to believe it and you need to speak that thing. Uh, there's a very small book in the New Testament, the new portion of the Bible, the part that really believe, deals with us as New Testament believers. In Philemon, little book, one chapter, verse six, it, it's, it talks about how your faith is energized by the acknowledging of every good thing that's in you in Christ Jesus. In other words, what has God done for you in Christ? And it literally energizes your faith when you acknowledge what God has done. So Jesus curses the fig tree. He goes down to Jerusalem, to the Temple Mount, and he preaches. That night, they go out, they go back to Bethany, walked right past the tree, spent the night in Mary Martha's house with Lazarus. Next morning, they get up and they walk by the tree. And when they do, the disciples say, Jesus, again, look at the tree that you cursed. And it's withered from the roots. Now, something happened when Jesus spoke, but it wasn't immediately visible. But now 24 hours later, they can see something has happened to that tree. And Jesus said, have faith in God. So this is not about your coming up with something, uh, some crazy idea that you have. Like saying, I'm going to have 10,000 oil wells. I got 10,000 oil wells, 10,000 oil wells, 10,000 oil wells. Where is that verse? That is not in the Bible anywhere. When it's talking about having faith in God, it's saying, it's saying to you and me, we need to have faith that what God said he'll do, he'll do. That who we are in Christ is who we are in Christ. And what God says that we can do, we can do. And we have what God says we can have. It's not talking about some crazy thing. And, and, and while I'm at it, it's not talking about your taking authority or dominion over some other person. In Ecclesiastes, it says this. It says, no one has power over the spirit to restrain the spirit. What that means is this. You cannot make somebody else do something. You can't say, well, they're going to do this. <laughs> A pastor, all right, this is a true story. In his church, there's this, 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 this lady, and she is confessing that he is going to be her husband. Now, the problem is he's already married. That's the first problem. The second problem is God will not make anybody do anything, and you can't either. And when you try, it's witchcraft. So this is not talking about you're making some other person do something, right? No one has authority over somebody else's spirit to restrain or make somebody else do something. That's always witchcraft. That's the wrong spirit. Neither is it saying that you can just come up with whatever you want to say. Because what we're supposed to do, this book of the law shall not depart out of our mouth. We're supposed to say what God says about our situation, about our life, about who we are and what we have. Have faith in God. 
For verily I say to you, Jesus said, that whosoever will say to this mountain, be removed, be cast into the sea, shall not doubt in his heart, but believe that the things that he says will come to pass. He'll have whatsoever he says or whatsoever he saith, King James. So the first thing, again, that Jesus said is actually the opposite of what we think he said. Get this. Because of our religious minds, we think Jesus said one thing, but he actually said something different. What Jesus did not say is this. Disciples, you see what happened to that fig tree? Don't you try it. I am Jesus. I learned to do this in heaven. God the Father can do this. I can do this. I'm God the Son. But you mere mortals, if you try this, this is not going to fact, what's going to happen. You try this, you'll blow the lips off your face. He did, he, he did not say don't do it. He said do it, right? He actually wasn't trying to tell you, look, I did this because I'm Jesus. This is a deity trick. That's why I can do this. That's not what he said. He said this will work for whosoever will say to this mountain. So literally what Jesus is saying is that you and I we need to speak to the mountain. Now, Jesus talked to trees. He talked to storms. He talked to the wind. He talked to sickness. He talked to disease. Those are mountains. And he said, you need to speak to your mountain. Most of what we do is we talk about our mountain, about how big it is, how much it costs, how much it hurts, about all the problems and how it's relational and it's guys in our family and we've got this and that. No, 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 no. You need to speak to the mountain. Just call it up. 1-800-MOUNTAIN. <laughs> and, and listen, for most of you, it is a local call. That mountain is not a long ways away. And you need to call that mountain up and you need to say, mountain, I have got some things that I want to say. First of all, I want to say that I am more than a conqueror through him that loved me. And who can be against me? Because God is for me. And besides that mountain, not only am I more than a conqueror, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Mountain, listen to this. Listen to this. The Bible says that every mountain, every word, every opposition that comes up against me, I will confront and I will defeat it. And this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. Mountain, get ready because you are going to be moving. Call that mountain up. Start to talk to that mountain. Now, the next thing I want to mention, I want you to have an open mind. Because this is what Jesus said. Now, how many of you believe what Jesus said? Even if it goes against tradition. Because this, this, will, this will shake some of us up. Now, according to Jesus, and again, this is Jesus, predicted that he would be crucified, buried, and then he would be raised from the dead and then pulled it off. So you want to stick with him. He's right. Jesus said that it is not up to God whether your mountain stays or leaves. It's up to you. Because Jesus said your mountain 
will obey you. I didn't think I'd get very good response for that, but it's still true. Is, is that what Jesus said? He said that mountain will move for whosoever will say. Let me just give you a real short church history lesson. In 410, Rome is sacked. Rome has become, Christianity is the official religion of the Roman Empire. In fact, what's left of that, we refer to as the Roman Catholic Church. Right? It's what's the church that was left of the official church of the Roman Empire. Now, when it happened, people equated the Roman Empire with Christianity. And many Christians were absolutely devastated. They felt like when Rome was sacked, that somehow it was the beginning of the end of Christianity. In northern Africa, there was a bishop in a town called Hippo. We refer to him today as St. Augustine. And as a result of Rome being sacked, he wrote a book, a huge book, called The City of God. And it's got some very, very great things in it. And it became the most influential book in Christianity for over a thousand years. But one of the, the, the bad things that came as a result of the book, before this, Christians considered themselves to be in a spiritual battle. They needed to stand against the world, the flesh, and the devil. That there was an enemy of your soul and that you stood against that enemy. But as a result of, of St. Augustine and particularly his book, The City of God, there was a change in theology. And what happened, a new attitude or belief came into the church, which we could just simply call blueprint theology, which basically said this, everything that's gonna happen to you is what's gonna happen, it doesn't matter what you do. So just sit back, and if it's good, good. If it's not, tough. And it came into the church. And the result was that the church kind of laid down. And instead of resist, how many, how many know the Bible says your adversary, the devil, goes about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour? Resist him. Steadfast in the faith. But we stopped resisting. And we just kind of sat back and, well, whatever happens, happens. And it's good. Whatever happens is the will of God. Well, that is like the stupidest thing. You, 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 have to, you have to go to school a lot of years and get a Ph.D. to think that's right. <laughs> I mean, obviously, look, 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 the Bible says that God wills that no one perish, but that all come to the knowledge of the truth. God wants everybody saved. How many of you know people step into eternity without God every day? But it's not God's will that that happen. But we got this idea, everything that happened to us was the will of God. I was brought up in a church like that. We just figured everything was predestined. That's what we called it, predestined. We would, we would fall down the stairs and then get up and go, well, I'm glad that's done with. <laughs> because we thought God planned for us to fall down the stairs before the foundation of the world. It's a bunch of stupidness. <laughs> I don't know what else to say, okay? We, we cannot have this whatever happens is the will of God. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, goes about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, 
Resist him. Resist him. Steadfast in the faith. So Jesus said, it's not up to God. It's up to you. Because if you will speak to that mountain, Jesus said, it will obey you. It will obey you. So he said, it'll be cast into the sea. And this is important. Uh, the sea is the only place that's big enough and deep enough to take any mountain and totally absorb and cover that thing up. In other words, what Jesus is saying, he's saying five years from now, that mountain that was in your life, there will be absolutely no sign it was ever there. No mountain residue. You won't smell like smoke when you came through the fire. In fact, you will tell people, I used to have that mountain, and they'll go, no, you didn't, you liar. You could never have a mountain like that. Because when they look at you, they're going to be saying, no way. No way. Jesus said it will be cast into the sea. Listen, most Christians would be happy if their mountain just moved to their neighbor's yard. <laughs> they're just like, just give me a little relief. <laughs> All right. But Jesus said it can be gone completely, 100% gone. Now, <laughs> your mountain, your mountain needs to hear your voice. You are the one who needs to speak to your mountain. No one has authority in your life like you have authority in your life. Nobody. You know, a man brings his, his son to Jesus, his literally having what we would probably refer to today as epileptic attacks and says, Jesus, if you can help my son, please do. And Jesus said to him, listen, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Jesus was saying, it's not enough that I, Jesus, second person of the Trinity, the Godhead, am here. You need to believe. You have relational authority with your family, but in your personal life, no one has the authority that you have. Uh, somebody might say, well, pastor, you know, I've been coming to this church for 20 years. I pay my tithes. You know what? What do you do all week anyway? I want you to talk to my mountain. And I would say to you, listen, you may just as well say, pastor, I need to lose 20 pounds. Please go to the gym. Because if I go to the gym, I'm going to lose 20 pounds, not you. And your, your, your mountain needs to hear your voice. All right? You need to speak to that mountain. And listen, your address in the spirit is your voice. Your address in the spirit is your voice. So you don't need your pastor. You don't need Joyce Myers to talk to your mountain. Again, Romans 10, verse 8. But what does faith say? The word is near you. It's in your mouth and your heart. Even the word of faith which we preach. It's in where? Your mouth and your heart. If you look in the Old Testament, this is actually a quote from the Old Testament. It says, your answer is not on the other side of the sea. We think the answer is a long ways away. But the Bible says the answer is in your mouth and in your heart. There is a miracle in your mouth. 
There's a miracle from God in your mouth. If you knew what was on the other side of the mountain, you would start speaking. I want you to picture what's on the other side of that mountain. Well, there's peace on the other side of that mountain. There's healing on the other side of that mountain. There's deliverance on the other side of that mountain. There's joy on the other side of that mountain. There's provision on the other side of that mountain. And if you can see what's on the other side of that mountain, you will start speaking. I love what Jesus said. This is in one of the other Gospels. He told them, he said, if you had faith as a grain of mustard seed, he said, you would be saying. If you had faith, you would be saying. Because out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth is going to speak. And the spirit of faith has a believing part, but it also has a speaking part. We believe, therefore we speak. Now, if Jesus had only added two words to this verse, every Christian would have victory. If Jesus had just said, you will have whatsoever you say in church. Think about that. Because in church, everybody's like, praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord, for healing. Thank you for deliverance. Thank you for provision. Thank you, Lord, for peace. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. In church. But listen, you don't get what you say in church. You get in your car. You turn down Ivan Rath. You, you get down to the traffic signal. And you say to your wife, honey. About six weeks ago, Bob was down the street. He's outside with his snowblower blowing the snow. Drop dead of an aneurysm. You know, my head hurts. I think I've got one. Hmm. Hmm. See, everybody says the right thing in church. But it's not just what you say in church that matters. In fact, <clears throat> let, me, let me just give you this whole verse again. There's actually three different Greek words that are used in Mark eleven twenty three that talk about speaking. Three different words. First of all, it says, I say unto you that whosoever will say to this mountain, the word say there is the Greek word epo. And that's what it means. It means to command. It means to command. I mean, take your authority, take dominion. Not, well, you know, devil, if you'll leave me alone, I'll leave you alone. And it would just be so nice if this were to happen. No, 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 no. No, it is epo. It means you command. Whoever will say epo to this mountain, be removed, be cast into the sea, shall not doubt in his heart, but believe that those things that he saith, the Greek word, laleo. Laleo. It means to speak out, to use your voice and be bold. Speak out, use your voice and be bold. Not shy, not milk toast, not weak wristed, sissy Christianity. Well, whatever happens, it's just okay. No, doesn't work. You speak out, you use your voice and you're bold. Have those things which he saith come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. That last saith is the Greek word lego. How many of you know what legos are? 
most of you, you older people that don't know, they're like Lincoln logs, but they're modern. Some of you will catch that later. So literally, Jesus said, you'll have whatsoever you Lego. Now listen, Lego means your set systematic discourse. Your set systematic discourse. What you say, what you tell, what you declare to others. You'll have whatsoever you Lego. Your set systematic discourse. It's not just what you say in church, it's what you say in the car. What you say at school, what you say at work, what you say at the gym, what you say at the coffee shop, what's, what's constantly coming out of your mouth. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. Right? Now, most of us today, we know what Legos are. I should have brought a set. A few years ago, one of my grand, all my grandsons love, love, love Legos, the younger ones, but uh, my, my grandson Tristan was just crazy about Legos. And, and so I thought, well, I'm going to give him Legos for Christmas. You know, you go to the store. I don't remember if it was Toys R Us, wherever we went. You know, you go down the aisle. I mean, there's just like Legos aisle. And they've got all kinds of boxes and cylinders and there's pictures on them. And I saw one, you know, I think, oh, I think he'll like this. So saw, saw this beautiful picture on the cover. I bought it. We wrapped it up. We gave it to him for Christmas. He opened, you know, tears the paper, opens the box into my great disappointment. The picture was not what was in the box. There was just a whole bunch of little parts. But if you would systematically put the parts together, you could create the picture on the box. Now, that is what Jesus is saying to you and to me. He's saying that picture that you get from the word of God, he said, you can create that. See, when your words agree with God's word, you have the building blocks to build, to bring salvation and blessing and healing and victory and deliverance and breakthrough. They're there, but they're in your heart and in your mouth. Jesus said, you will have whatsoever you lay go. That's why his words need to not depart from our mouth. If we've got them in our heart and speak them with our mouth, we are going to build the promises of God with our confession and bring them from the spiritual realm into the natural realm. Would you please stand for just a moment? We're not done. But when I thought about how should we end this service, I thought we should end with a confession. So we're, we're, gonna, we're gonna make a confession of what the word of God says. Remember, Philemon chapter one, verse six says that you, you literally, you energize your faith by the acknowledging of every good thing that's in you in Christ Jesus. All right. So I want you to repeat this. I am who God says I am. I have what God says I have. I can do what God says I can do. God forgives all my iniquities. And he heals all my diseases. By his stripes, I was healed. I'm accepted in the beloved. I am more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus who loves me. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I overcome the devil by the blood of the lamb 
and the word of my testimony. In Jesus' name, so be it. Amen and amen. All right. Would you be seated for just a moment? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Thank you for watching and being a part of our online family. Subscribe to our channel for access to all of our videos and live services. You can also be notified when a new service becomes available if you ring the notification bell. We cannot do this without you. You can support this ministry and help us reach more people with the word by giving at reslife.org give. Thanks again for watching. Be blessed.